Hello there and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week I am joined once again by my friend Frank Burton. Now, although we share the same last name, we are not actually related, although Frank has been on several episodes of Genuine Chit Chat in the past, and he's released a new book, so that's basically what we're talking about. This was quite a long chat, so as per standard of my show, I split it into two, so part two will be out next week. Um, But what you can look out for in part one is a discussion not only about Frank's book, Everything I Am, which is available on audiobook as well, which you can get for free. I've included a link in the description. Um, It is a name your price, so I would recommend people give him some money because it is a a lot of work to make uh, an audiobook and things. But go check it out, maybe give it a listen, and then afterwards you can re-download it and pay for it or something along those lines. But as I said, there's not really a reason to not listen to this because it's a brilliant book. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And listening to the show just kind of adds to it in a sense. And especially with all the crazy times that are going on with, you know, COVID-19 and things, it's quite nice to kind of get refreshing, not only this chat, but also the audiobook to kind of get your mind off things because this was recorded before any of this COVID stuff started to happen. So it's quite a good sort of escape from that. Anyway, a couple more points just before the chat gets started. As well as speaking about this chat, we do also speak about how Frank sort of created the book, some of the characters in it. The main character in it is also called Frank Burton. We go into some of the intrigue between sort of the real Frank Burton, who I'm speaking to, and the fake Frank, as we call it. We also speak about how he made the audiobook, the inspiration for some of the characters, and a lot of those other things. I would recommend people go check out the book, but it is not essential to enjoy this. It's just a really fun chat. Now, there'll be a quick promo for the American Slacker podcast. I've included a link to their website in the description. Be sure to go check those guys out as well, because frankly, they're awesome. Uh, And yeah, the full chat will start shortly. I'll be back at the end of part one of this chat just to give a bit more insight into what you can expect from part two. Um, My new show, Star Wars Comics and Canon, has got a new episode out, so I'll give some details about that and a few other little rambly things. So, you know, thanks as always for listening, guys. I really appreciate that. And I'll talk to you at the end. Hi, I'm Matt. And I am Jesse. So, like, what is American Slacker, I guess, right? The highest amount of dick jokes per episode per podcast. We've been on the air for 57 straight years. 57 straight years of dick jokes. Things constantly soaring over my head. And you pulling my chain and your weekly weird news. We're also cannabis friendly. We kind of sneak it in there, almost like you're lacing the brownies at the family reunion. It's a ride of your motherfucking life. Fucking 11, when there's only 10 on the dial. Weapons of mass destruction. It's a threat to society. Food assaults. Yeah, that happens too sometimes. An ostrich took a lit match into a fireworks factory. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that one. No, that's our third story. Oh my God. America, what are you doing? So is someone dumb getting fucked over. Well, you know, they should have never gave raccoons rights, in my opinion. <laughs> oh my God. You can help us. You can help everyone. Download our shit now. We're second American America. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. Well, we'll just jump right into it then, won't we? So, um, I'm joined once again by Frank Burton, uh, no relation, <laughs> and um, Frank obviously been on the show a couple of times before, so I'll direct listeners to listen to those other episodes as well and go to your show Ragbag, but um, the reason for our chat this week is actually because you've released another book, and it only seems like a short while ago that I was talking about your other book, so you're an incredibly busy person, so um, let's talk about it. Everything I Am, a Ragbag novel. 
do a blurb, I suppose, in some way, just to throw you in it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, a novel that sprung from the fictional world of the Ragbag podcast. Um, so the Ragbag podcast concept behind that is that it's a music show that's presented by a fictional character who happens to have the same name as me. So, uh, you know, I, I uh, start each show by saying, welcome to Ragbag. My name's Frank Burton. That's just the way I present myself. And then I sort of go into all these crazy ideas and over time, little bits of biographical detail about the fictional character have kind of come together. And um, I had enough material to start writing a book with, basically. I came up with this idea about Frank's dad disappearing. And um, originally, that was kind of a joke that I just came up with off the top of my head, pretty much. And then I kind of developed that idea of the fact that his dad had gone missing. And then I came up with this whole sort of detective style story about Frank trying to track his dad down and that's what everything I am is about pretty much that that's the central idea behind the book anyway um there's lots of other things going on about Frank's crazy family all of which is made up that none of these people are real apart from Frank Burton who is a real person you know it's it's complicated but there you go yeah, well, we'll get into it in the show, and it's it's quite a funny thing where so any listeners who aren't already aware of uh, Ragbag and things is obviously you play the character was called Frank Burton, and it's got its own sort of well, I'd call it a law now. It's kind of as it's grown sort of so much and things, and you've got this book that associates with it. So you've got this own universe, this world, this law that all kind of clicks together. So I want to ask before um, we get into that book itself as well. You've got two other books as well, haven't you? History of Sarcasm and One Hundred. Yes. And the last podcast we did was about One Hundred. I think the podcast we did before that we very lightly touched on History of Sarcasm, but um, just in brief uh, for. Could you explain what sort of history sarcasm is uh, 100 as well, just as a little bit of background, and then we'll get into everything I am? Yeah, sure. Um, well, my first book, History of Sarcasm, was a short story collection. Um, that's quite old now. That's 10 years old. It came out oh, in wow. 2009, and it was old short stories that I'd written prior to that, kind of throughout my 20s. And it was actually my ambition to publish a book before the time I hit 30. And as it happened, the, the first copies of History of Sarcasm arrived on my doorstep on my 30th birthday. <laughs> Brilliant. Nice little, <laughs> it was a nice little gift, you know what I mean? And uh, I'm 40 now, so, um, and uh, time flies. <laughs> so I, ha- I had a little uh, gap for a few years where I didn't bring any books out. I was doing various other things. I was running a website called philistinepress.com, which is kind of a um, online publisher. So there's a lot of kind of non-profits like eBooks that I published through that, like other people's books and stuff. So I was kind of like publisher slash editor. And then I uh, properly knuckled down into writing novels. And it's my plan to uh, release a book every year for the foreseeable future. So 100 came out last year, and that's nothing to do with podcasts. And it's very different, in fact, to the book that I've just brought out, because um, it's kind of setting a, a, a crazy kind of fantasy world with lots of very strange things happening. Whereas uh, the new book is kind of, you could call it being set in the real world. Mm. And it's kind of a realist, it's, it's a comedy. And, uh, but everything that happens in the book is something that could plausibly happen in real life. Mm. That's one of the things I, I quite liked about it. I mean, 100, I thought it was an excellent book. And I think a lot of the stories in there were just 
had unbelievably brilliant ideas in in honesty like with 100 obviously we we delved deep into 100 in uh, the last episode we did together so i won't uh, touch on it too much further but i thought that there were so many ideas explored which were really clever and interesting like everything having consciousness and lots of these other different sort of elements that came into it and then i think what i quite liked about this book is as you said the characters and the dialogue is so real and i find that a lot of what frank burton senior says is obviously a lot of the time when he's doing the flashbacks and things and thinking about uh, his time with his dad. And he comes out of a lot of these things, which I don't necessarily agree with some of the things that he said, but they're very well put in a way, and they're quite quotable in a, in a sense, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I'm, I'm pleased with that character, actually, the, the Frank Burton Sr. He's, um, he's, uh, he's an opinionated man, <laughs> and uh, his opinions are very logical. Mm. and and uh but logic doesn't necessarily apply itself very well to the real world so he's kind of a, very much uh winging his way through his life <laughs> and uh, it's, it's just one of those people who uh just is kind of just making it all up as he goes along mm. but it, he's he's got a lot of um he's not a role model by any means but <laughs> he's uh, but i like him as a person you know he freely admits to his son that he doesn't really care about him that much and he freely <laughs> admits that every single thing that he does in his life he does for his own self and his own fulfillment and everybody mm. else is secondary and he's quite honest about that he is i do like it's like brutal honesty it's like you kind of a lot of the time when people sort of ask a question and then they expect the sort of um sugar-coated answer but with frank burton scene you don't get that at all you just get the answer and whether or not it cuts deep or not you just get it and it's like it's like unforgiving truth i, I really do like that i mean the characters that you've sort of made in this uh in this world they are so real that i before checking with you i just have to reiterate i was like just to clarify these things it didn't happen to you as a person this is all fictional and because it's they sound so real and they sound so likely to happen in basically every sense that it's just unlike the 100 which is more sort of crazy kooky uh kind of seems grand in reality and as it goes on it gets more and more bizarre this one was very much like a real story and although i already had the knowledge it was fictional when finishing it i was like i still had to check with you because i was like this just sounds so plausible i had to make sure that like if we talked about it and i thought this person's really stupid you go oh well that that is actually my mom and it's like "Uh (laughs) uh-oh but i loved it so delving into it what what made you like obviously it kind of connects connects in with your podcast directly due to the frank burton character in ragbag being you sort of this version of you almost in a sense what made you want to write a book using sort of the elements of the podcast as well as in the style you did the kind of almost like a murder mystery but there's no murder <laughs> so it's just like a mystery novel yeah yeah what, what, what kind of made you do that um i had the idea it, it all sort of came together quite naturally really because um I, I had the idea for expanding the because I, I basically when i'm in character on the podcast i kind of tell these stories about uh touching upon things like frank's childhood and sort of things that happened to him in childhood. And yeah, the dad going missing was, like I said, it was just like a joke that I came up with. I think it was very early on, maybe episode two, episode three, something like that. And it all came about from, because I, I, I do these kind of um, shout outs uh, on the, to, to like fictional listeners. And um, so I, I was doing the shout out to this guy who, he, he was paying me a compliment, but I, I didn't get the compliment because uh, Frank, the character, isn't very good at gauging things very well, and he takes things literally quite a lot. So this guy was telling him what a big fan he was, and he said, you're my brother from another mother. 
And Frank thought that that meant he was claiming to be his biological relative. So, <laughs> so he, he just kind of went off on one about this. He said, well, I'll have you know, as a matter of fact, my father was very proud man. He, uh, he always claimed that uh, my mother was the only woman he'd ever been with. And I believe him and, and all this sort of thing. And then at the end, just to round off this little rant of, that Frank was making, I wrote this little bit just to finish it off. Nice, punchy way of finishing off. I said, well, my dad's, to be honest, not available for comment at the moment because he popped out for a pint of milk in 2004 and never came back. And that was just a nice little punchy way of ending it, you know. And then, but then I, I, but then I had that idea. So I've got to stick with that now. You know, that, that's, that's now a fact. That's part of this world. So mm. I, I kind of played around with that. I wrote some, some kind of um, stories around that as well. And then I thought, yeah, I could really do something with this idea. The, uh, well, you did. Uh, and I did. Yes. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I wrote, there was a story that I wrote which, which really kind of properly established the dad's character. Because prior to me writing this little story, it was just Frank talking about his dad. And the dad hadn't really appeared in, in a story properly. So I wrote this story, and this is brutal, by the way, but it's a really uh, good sort of insight into the dad's character. So I established that the dad was never around. He was kind of, um, he claimed to be working six days a week, and then he claimed to be going fishing on a Sunday. So he's working Monday, Saturday, never at home, never really saw his son. And instead of spending time with his son on a Sunday, he'd go fishing all day. And uh, Frank wanted to go fishing with his dad as a teenager. So one day his dad agreed to take him fishing. And he said, okay, we're going to go fishing now. We're going to sit here. We're not going to talk because this is our silent time. And it's all about connecting with nature. So you just sit next to me and don't say anything. I'm going to do my fishing. You sit with me. And then Frank sits with him and he has this like um, sort of, real kind of uh, coming together like spiritual moment he sort of he does become kind of one with nature and he really sort of marvels at all the sights around him and everything like that and he gets to the end of the day and he says to his dad that was amazing that that was uh, one of the greatest experiences of my life and um i can't wait to come back again next week with you and my dad was like god say next week you want to come back next week and he just says to him I don't really come here for the silence and the stillness and the being at one with nature. I come here to get away from you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there yeah. are some brutal, I mean, that, that works in with the, the sort of the universe, the, the world of this sort of other Frank Burton, as it were, like um, a parallel universe, Frank Burton, um, fictional Frank. I'll yes. start. I think in this yeah. podcast, I'll just do fictional Frank for ease. But I mean, there are some moments that we were talking a little bit before we press record, which was one of the things I, I loved about the the book was not only did the character seem real, and there's a lot of cool lines of dialogue, but there, there were times where it wasn't like brutal, like someone got murdered or anything. But it was like certain things some characters will come out with would just. You hear it and you're like, Jesus, like it would, it, it, it almost hurt me to hear them, even though the character's not real and I'm obviously not even in the universe. And it's like, it would, so it's a compliment to your writing. And obviously I was listening to the audiobook, so a compliment to your sort of reading of it, recording of the audiobook and things. And it was, it was really, really immersive. And that's what I found. And the first, um, I found like as it went on, I was getting more and more gripped by it. And I found by around 
So at the halfway mark, I was I was just at work and doing this that, and the other, and I was kept thinking about it, and I was like, "Oh man, I really want to know what happens. Like, what is in that flat? Like, what is going on? Where did his dad actually go? Like, I was so invested in it, and obviously I wanted to listen to it. I'd have listened to it all the way through for us to have this chat anyway. But it was that part where I was like, "Okay, work's almost finished. Now I can listen to another hour or so of this book to work out because I just I, the way you wrote it, I think it gives." such drips and drabs i won't spoil what the the big any of the big things are um for people who will go and listen to the audiobook after this which i'll say in the intro but i'll repeat here again you've put up on bandcamp as name your price as well which for all the hours you've put into that that's that's a really great thing for you to do yeah yeah as a matter of fact what i'm doing is i'm uh, i've i've chopped the audiobook into five parts and i'm releasing it on the podcast over mm. five days so um, I'm doing that as we speak, as a matter of fact. So it'll be out by the time this podcast goes out. But yeah, it's on, it's oh, wow. on the, because it's connected to the Ragbag podcast as well. So it's part of that. So I just want the Ragbag listeners to hear it, you know, because it's part, it's part mm. of, it's part of that world. And um, I've, uh, I've put it on there with a little caveat for them to, uh, I'm giving this to you. So what I want you to do now is buy a copy of the book from Amazon <laughs> or whatever. And uh, give it away to somebody that you like. It's a little oh, marketing That's, that's quite a nice way of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me know how that goes. That, well, that's it's, a really it's, good It's thought. my way of um, spreading the word. You know, I'm, I'm treating my listeners like my little missionaries. <laughs> that's a really good way of putting it. So linking in with sort of the, the process of the book itself, one thing that is uh, very interesting is the fact that the character, fictional Frank, uh, in Ragbag and in the book is obviously it's you are performing and portraying them but they obviously many elements of them will be you primarily their voices almost dead similar to yours so it's like did you find it difficult sort of having a character that seems to be you but actually isn't at the same time obviously you've got a lot of things in common like the musical interest and that sort of jazz but how do you even in my head trying to even ask the question is confusing me to try and even verbalize it but you know what i'm saying like how do you separate the the fiction from your actual self and how, how do you go about sort of creating this character as it were um yeah yeah it's developed over time i think if i was writing the book from scratch uh, without having developed the character first, it would be a, a much more difficult to put the book together and have it turn out the way that it has. I think because, um, yeah, just from doing the podcast, it's kind of like, um, you know, I, I bring a new episode out every couple of weeks and there's kind of bits and pieces in there. There's a bit of comedy and a bit of, there's no proper like structure to an episode of it. It's, it's basically just kind of me talking and uh, throwing in different ideas here and there, you know, so there's not like, there is a, there's kind of an ongoing narrative, but it's a very, very loose one. Um, so it gave me the opportunity to just develop the characters nicely. Uncle Claude, who's in the book, is also in the, it pops up in the podcast now and again. And, uh, you know, is is kind of like a good little counterpoint to Frank. And they, I feel like they they work quite nicely together. It, and it's me doing both of the voices, but I'm trying to, I'm just doing it under the conceit that Uncle Claude is an actual real person, and mm. I just treat, I just treat it like he's a. And in my mind, he is like a real person now. I've become so invested in him that uh, that I, I, I can just break into Uncle Claude. What a son becoming, you know? And and, and um. <laughs> I do these dialogue scenes in the podcast between Frank and Uncle Claude that like, they keep sort of bickering and arguing and stuff like that. And the way that I edit it is that I have them 
people like interrupt each other and talk over the top of each other. So it sounds like they're, they're just kind of undercutting each other all the time and speaking at the same time. So I'm just creating the illusion that it's not just me doing both voices, <laughs> um, mm. which is, uh, yeah. I was going to ask about that because in because I know that in in the book um, it is mentioned I think right near the end it says you know because the book is set talking about the past and then it kind of the timeline basically slowly links up and then the last chapter or two I, you're basically speaking about present day fictional Frank being in the Ragbag podcast yeah. having his show and I think you mentioned about <clears throat> going around in a van and stuff and that's obviously what you're doing at present in the in the podcast and I remember in the the book itself it says. And Uncle Claude, he came on my podcast once or something or then started coming on my podcast a bit more. And then I was thinking about that as well. So when you did the audiobook itself, how... Because you, you do every voice, don't you? Yeah, I, I do every yeah. voice, yeah. So how... With some of the conversations there, do you... Did you just sit there and basically almost have a conversation with yourself and then afterwards kind of go over it a little bit and edit it if things didn't align? Or how did that yeah, actually yeah, work? Just, I didn't even consider that. Yeah, just sort that. of uh, edit... Well... It, it's nice to have it sort of uh, a little bit snappy. So I'll have, I'll record it and then uh, it, it takes a little while to like put on the other voice, you know what I mean? So then, and then you have to put your voice back on again. It's like doing a little puppet show type thing. So audio editing is a wonderful thing. You can just uh, edit out the space between while you're putting yourself into character, just edit the space out and then it just, uh, it just leaps straight in. And it's a good way of kind of, having the characters' voices contrast against one another. And like, mm. like I say in the podcast, I literally have both Frank and Uncle Claude talking at the same time. Because <laughs> you can do that, you know, you can do that with the audio editing, you know. So it's it's like it it is like he's a real person. Mm. I mean he was one of my favourites um in the in the book itself. I think we were talking about it a little bit uh before. I was trying not to talk too much before because I thought this would happen of well if I talk about before the podcast, I'll half forget if I've spoken about it while on air or not. But um I think w- with the with the, the characters sort of the, the main ones uh in air quotes is, is sort of is Noddy, Frank Senior, Frank Junior, the mum and Uncle Claude, I think were probably there were several other characters as well, but they're the ones that kind of uh, jumped yeah. to mind the quickest. And I found that Uncle Claude, right at the start, his voice was kind of grating on me because you did it then, and it was that sort of that high pitched kind of not quite whistly, but it's definitely definitely sounds like an old man uh, or older gentleman at least. But his voice at the start kind of annoyed me a little bit, not the way you were doing it, just sometimes people's voices grate on you a bit but as the the book went on and uncle claude did it more and more and things i end up liking uncle claude so much that his voice stopped annoying me and i was just excited whenever i hear his voice so i'm like that's uncle claude oh he's great i like him <laughs> and then it's so it's, it's oh, brilliant how nice. you can how you can do that with your sort of characters and then con- like without spoiling what happens with your with the mum character it was the opposite it was like her voice. It was like, eh, it's not too bad. And then as it went on, I was like, I don't actually really like her very much. And it went on, I was like, I really don't like her at all. And she really upset me at the end. So I was like, nah, Frank's mum, you're not very nice. I mean, I'm sure your mum in real life is a lovely lady, but the fictional Frank's uh, mum. My mum in real life is nothing like my fictional mum. <laughs> That's very which, good. Which, which is, which, which is uh, very lucky for me. And also my dad's quite a nice guy as well. <laughs> That's amazing. Quite a nice guy. That's There's a compliment. Um, <laughs> And they they have different names, you know. They're they're not. They're, there is no such person as Frank Burton Senior. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, I will say one of my little bugbears, uh, which if anyone's listening and and does get offended by this, I do apologise. But one of my little bugbears is when people name their children their name. I'm just like, 
if like if I had a child, Mike Burton Jr. And it's just like I would never say it to anyone. Like if I met someone who was called that, I would never just point blank be rude to them and say, "Oi, what's your parents doing?" Eh? You know, it was just more like, "Come on, of all the names, you named them the same as you," which just makes everything more complicated. When you're a teenager living at home and there's two bits of mail, both for like Frank Burton, it's like. What? But, yeah, um, it must be confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, linking back into the sort of the character of the show and the, the sort of theme, were there any uh, life events or people who are inspirations? Obviously, if there are people inspirations for some of the negative characters, don't say their names or anything. But are there any events that happen in your life or, or uh, people that were inspired that inspired some of the events within the book? Um. Yeah, that's a good question, actually, because um, yeah, it, it's a completely made up story so it's not that none of the characters are based on any one person in particular i think general characteristics of different people i've just picked up from here and there uh, meeting lots of different people throughout my life really um so yeah i don't think i don't think there's a real answer to that because i yeah i think i just made them up <laughs> which is but I, I tend to uh, i tend with, with a character sometimes i tend to start with an idea rather than base it on someone hmm. so i think uh one of the big ideas behind the frank senior character was to actually contrast uh, his behavior with my behavior as a parent so i've got i've got two kids and i'm basically a full-time dad i have been for a couple of years you know this um the contrast between what I would call good parenting and what uh, Frank Senior would call good parenting. (laughs) I think most parents would describe themselves as being people who would put their child's needs ahead of their own. And, but there are not all parents are like that, you know, and uh, I've got friends whose parents are not like that. And, you Mm. know, I've I've met people who, who aren't like that with their kids necessarily, (laughs) you know, what I wanted to do with Frank Senior was, because I, I, I was I was just kind of out with my kids one day, and I was just thinking to myself, well, what what if I wasn't like this? What if I was what if I was a really shit dad? <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> uh, and that's not to that's not to blow my own trumpet to you know uh, you know I'm not claiming to be the best parent in the world, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> At least I take my kids out to the park and stuff, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, that's, that's a whereas, step up by a huge amount. <laughs> whereas, you know, um, Frank Senior, in, instead of taking his son to the park, he, he would take him to the betting shop. You know, so he, he's because he, he he puts his own needs ahead of his child. And, and he's quite honest about that as well, because he cares more about himself. Um, mm. So it's just that idea, the, the idea of of being somebody like that. What would it be like to be that person? And that, that's kind of where that character kind of developed from, I think. Mm. I quite liked it at certain elements where the characters' differences really shine by, I mean, doing it by sort of audio-wise, it works as well because the sort of, the twangs in the voice is a very subtle one uh, with certain characters like Frank Burton Sr. and Frank Burton Jr. You can tell they're different people, but because obviously it's you doing it, it works well that you're doing both voices because it sounds like Frank Burton Jr., got some of the way he speaks from Frank Senior and obviously they're both you so that is true and oh, yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's certainly clever and um i like how especially sort of near the end when Frank Burton is obviously more so older as in Frank Burton Junior's older and he's kind of finding himself a bit more and he compares himself to his dad quite a lot and what i quite liked about that is that 
at certain points in the book, Frank Burton uh, Jr. does sort of say, oh, I'm a bit like this or I'm a bit like that. Like, I'm an introvert and I stay in, I uh, don't really want to see people or maybe I'm just really selfish or maybe this. But then as the book goes on, the close, the more you find out about Frank Burton Sr., you go, yeah, Frank Burton Jr. may be negative in this way or that way, but then compared to his dad, it's actually quite a bit better. And it's, it's really interesting seeing the sort of almost him not necessarily idolizing his dad but him kind of finding out as he got older that his dad wasn't as great as he was and and that's quite an interesting sort of concept just for me as a personal level where my dad uh passed away when i was 19 and i'm sure most of us know that by now because i talk about it quite a lot and he wasn't a perfect man but as i get older and i see sort of what it was like when i had my time with him certain elements were are better than i realized while other elements are actually worse than i realized and it, it kind of made me think of that in, in some sort of way, which is quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's um. I, I think what I'm tra- just just to uh, from my point of view, just trying to make the story relatable to other people. And I think that people can relate to because uh, essentially you could call this a story about a dysfunctional family. Mm-hmm. And I think growing up, everyone at some point feels like. You get that, especially as a teenager, you kind of get that feeling, my family are all mental, aren't they? Why can't (laughs) I be in a normal family like everybody else? And it's like, and then you grow up and you kind of realize that actually everybody's family's like that. It's just that they put on put on a little show when they're out in public, you know, (laughs) but but behind closed doors, everybody's mental, (laughs) you know, that's and I think people can relate to stories about dysfunctional families. First of all, especially if you're from one, that then you that you can relate to it on a personal level. And if you're not from one, you can use that as a counterpoint against your own experience. So everyone had an upbringing of some kind. So when you read a story about somebody else's upbringing, it's there as a contrast against your own. And that's but every reader will approach it in a different way because every reader is from a different family. So yeah, it's quite an interpretive book in a sense, especially towards. The- the end and things and where it kind of how it finishes and it's like one of those things where it's not down to interpretation like one of those books which is like you know he wanders off into the distance and you don't know if he dies it's more so some the the way it kind of ends is like is that a good thing is it not and it's just kind of how you've perceived the journey and how you've perceived each character kind of differs on how i'd imagine one would feel about it and i wanted to ask as well um We'll delve back into that that book specifically again in a minute. But I want to ask before I forget, are you planning on making, on these other books that you're writing, are they going to be within the sort of the, the ragbag world or are you going to do yes, loads of random different yeah. genres and things? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I've, I'm firmly committed to writing more ragbag novels. Mm. I'm, uh, I'm well into it now. And also it's, um, <laughs> it's an interesting thing that um, I spent, um, a couple of years writing a science fiction novel. I really struggled with it. I, I, um, I, I think uh, the, the, I had a few things going on in my life at the time which didn't help. So I, uh, I was suffering a lot with epilepsy and I was having a lot of seizures and things like that. I had a newborn baby in the house and all sorts of things like that were getting in the way of uh, me writing the science fiction book, which took me two years. And then I got to the end of it. I wasn't very happy with it. Um, so uh, that may see the light of day at some point, but there's still some major issues with that book because there's bits of it that don't make sense. 
it's, it's yeah. actually quite good. But um, th there's bits of it that are really good, and there's bits that it doesn't hang together as a novel properly. And I spent two years on it, and I was like, I don't want to spend any more time on this. I want to do something else. And I wrote this book, um, Everything I Am, in three months. And it just came out. Really? Yeah, it took me three months to write Whoa, it. Oh, that's impressive. It, whoosh, like that. It was it was really easy. And um, I don't know that's why. Surprising. Yeah, I, I think I think partly because, like I was saying, I've done the groundwork with the characters already. I'd established quite a few of the characters. I'd established um, Frank. Um, Noddy pops up in the podcast from time to time. Uh, in in uh, in little flashbacks, um, Uncle Claude and and like uh, the the bits with his parents as well, which they they weren't like fully formed characters, but they were, they were the genesis of them were there. So I had all these little seeds that I could just kind of uh, grow into a big sort of book. Um, but I think um, yeah yeah I feel like I've cheated somehow because it shouldn't it, it shouldn't be this easy. You know what I mean? And um, I've, there used to be a little spate about about sort of um, 20 years ago, I remember, because I, I had my eye on the um, creative writing guide market. I, I, I've read quite a few creative writing style books in my time. Um, and um, there was a little uh, fad uh, going back about 20 years. But um, there was, in fact, you still see them popping up now and again, um, these uh, sort of creative writing gurus who say, I, I can help you to write a novel in a month. Basically, their technique is write 3,000 words a day for a month and then you've written a whole book. And if you do the maths, that works out as, I don't know, 70,000 words or whatever. And, you know, you really got to look at that and say, it's not as simple as just writing 3,000 words a day. <laughs> I could write the word and 3,000 times every day and I just have a book with the word and over and over again. Technically, on paper, that is a book, but it's not, you know what I mean? It's not as straightforward yeah. as that. It's, they're just, you know, snake oil salesmen. But but I actually managed to do it. You know, I, I, I wrote this novel in three months, and it's it may well be the best thing I've ever written. So uh, it's, um, mm. it's strange, but um, because, because that was so easy, I'm going to carry on doing that. I think perhaps I've, perhaps I've found like a formula for, yeah, Perhaps I found a formula. A formula, just create. Uh, it's quite easy, isn't it? You know, just create a podcast <laughs> with a character within it. You know, create your own lore and universe. Make that go for like two and a bit years, uh, and then you can write a book in less time. <laughs> easy, in air quotes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, now I'm the guru. I'll <laughs> just have podcasts for a couple of years, and everything will be easy. That's it. Just get everyone who wants to write a book to write yeah, podcasts. Yeah, but I mean, I, I I do freely admit that I'm making it all up as I go along. And because I, I didn't plan to do this, I, I planned to do a podcast and I thought, yeah, I'll do a podcast. That would be good fun. I'll have a bit of a laugh, pretend to be some guy <laughs> presenting a music show. That would be funny. And um, yeah, now here we are um, talking about the ragbag novel. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's genuinely not to just sit here and sort of flatter a guest, but obviously you and I, we hung out when we first did the podcast and things. We were in the Brit pod scene and all that sort of jazz. So it's not, I feel like we're a bit closer than just a standard guest, you know, and whenever I compliment guests on the show, I never want it to sound hollow. I never want to just be saying like, oh, you're a guest and you're amazing. So blah. But 
I really, really enjoyed 100. I thought that because there was loads of short stories, I'm not always the biggest fan of short stories, but they all do intertwine and it is one universe of them. So it works quite well. But everything I am, I found it was a really, really good novel. And it was one of those books where I feel like it could easily be translated into other media. Now, obviously, you've kind of half done it with with audiobook as like Mm, other media, but like... It would just be like a nifty sort of people movie, yeah. you know, the sort of the ones where nothing specifically happens. I mean, there's some of my favorite movies is a lot of Wes Anderson movies are quite quirky ones, but there's a way, way back, Little Miss Sunshine, Juno, these sorts of where if you say to someone, oh, what happens in the film Juno? I'm not sure if you've seen it, but oh, I've seen it, gets, yeah. a girl who gets pregnant is quite young. Yeah. And it's it's not the best film ever, but it's a, it's a cool film and it's enjoyable to watch. And it's just like. If you try to explain the premise of Juno to someone, go, oh, it's just a sort of a teenage film and a teenager gets pregnant and that's more or less it. You go, that sounds like crap. And then, but you actually watch it, you go, this is actually really clever and there's a lot more to it. And, and I feel like with everything I am, the premise doesn't sound rubbish, um, to clarify, but the, you said to someone, someone wouldn't go, whoa, wow, amazing, that's the best thing ever. They'd go, okay, that sounds that sounds all right. But, but when you actually delve into it, I just found myself getting so, like unexpectedly so attached to these characters that I do want to compliment your songwriting. And that's why I say, uh, book writing. And that's why I, so blown away. I can't believe it took you three months and you're kind of almost doing it off the cuff, it, as it were, because it does fit together so seamlessly. And obviously with the elements of Ragbag going into it as well, I think it's, if all your other books are half, I mean, I think, you know, I think 100 is, is almost as good as everything I am. But if all your other books to do the Ragbag are half as good as everything I am, you have such an awesome, cool universe to have a play around with that I just think it's going to work. I'm just excited to now watch your uh, sort of podcasting and book writing career just to get more books that are like everything I am. I thought it was absolutely excellent. In all yeah, well, thank you very much. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that, you know. And yeah, I think I, I just I just want to I just want to keep on doing what I'm doing. I think I've found a groove now <laughs> and um, it's also writing a series of books is easier in its own way as well because you've already got the character in fact i've, I've started writing the second book second book already and um the, the the only character who's in the second book who's in the first book is frank the rest of them are just um mm. other ones other characters that who have just cropped up so it's kind of mm. a an, another kind of standalone story so each of the my plan is for each of the ragbag novels to be like standalone books. It's not like a, a sequel to you don't have to have read the first one to understand the second one, etc. But if you if you do read them all, they'll have little links. So like in this book, you mentioned there are two or three moments where you said that's a story for another day. And I was thinking in my head, I was like, is this going to be a ragbag book? Because there was the relationship with Heidi. There was the time in prison. And I think there was another one, which I can't fully remember. But those are without spoiling it. You don't have to say yes or no if <laughs> if uh, you don't want to announce it. But are they potentially going to be future stories? The sort oh, of ragbag yeah, yeah. Frank? Uh, the, uh, the book areas? that I'm writing at the moment, which is the second ragbag novel, is... Uh... The, the the working title this will not be the final title but the but the the working title of it is how I ended up in prison um, so it's <laughs> that, which spells out the premise of the book this is you you know that Frank is going to end up in prison at the end of it the question is how did he end up in prison so so uh, mm. this is the story of, of um, how Frank ended up in prison I've always said that I've I've always keep mentioning the fact that I um, spent six months in prison. I didn't in real life, by the way. Um, but uh, <laughs> Frank spent six, month, six months in prison. Um, that's where he met Noddy, who's one of the principal characters uh, in Everything I Am. 
and uh, this is the story of, of how it happened. So I'm already excited for that. When you write that, you need to. It's going to have to be a yearly thing. You coming on the show, so it's like I don't even care if the listeners listen to like the audiobook or anything. I just want to have you on the show and chat with you about these books for an hour or two. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, I'll, I'll, I will definitely be back. A hundred percent, wonderful. And so going back into sort of um, the book itself and a lot of the things in the book uh, was a quite a common theme. Is you speaking of your childhood because obviously. <clears throat> In the book, uh, your dad is around kind of when you're a child, sort of absent but still there. Um, and what gets brought up quite a lot is being a child in the 80s. And I've heard other, obviously, myself, I'm born in 94, so, you know, I wasn't a child of the 80s. But I have two... Yeah, I'm not choking on the concept of uh, you being born in 1994 <laughs> or whatever it was like. <laughs> I was gonna say I was, I was like, not that surprising, <laughs> but I've got I've got my two older brothers, and um, one of them was born seventy six, and the other one was born I think seventy two or something. So my brothers are quite a lot older than me, so I've got a degree of perspective on that. But hearing about some of the things you you were speaking about, it made me laugh because I've heard other podcasters who are older speak about it as well, which is like, oh, in the eighties, they your parents would just you know, go out and just leave you at home. Or if they were like, they'd go to the park. And then if there are another three kids of your age at the park, they would just leave you at the park and go oh, somewhere yeah. else because there's just a, a group of children that was safe. Uh, I want to ask a little bit about that of just some of the inspiration for the, the things that happened in that book, mainly the childhood era. What was, it sounds like I'm being such a millennial and being like, granddad, what happened when you were younger? But like genuinely when it was, when you were a child from being like having kids now, excluding the obvious big one, which is the internet and smartphones and social media, what were some of the big thoughts or differences between growing up then and growing up um, now, in a sense? I, I do think it was really different. I'm starting to think that way anyway, because, um, and it really wasn't that long ago, you know. It wasn't that long ago at all. I mean, mm. I, you know, going back sort of 30 years is not a long time in, in the grand scheme of things. Right. But uh, I think growing up in the 80s, like, like you were saying, these stories about people just wandering. I just used to just wander around the streets with my mates and that. And um, I was, I was a you know, seven-year-old kid. And um, there were dogs wandering around as well because there were, there were no laws about um, having dogs on leads. Um, so there were just loads of dogs wandering around the neighborhood. And, <laughs> and there, was no, there was no enforceable laws about just dog shit on the street either so dogs just used to do a shit on the street all over the the, the streets were just full of shit you can't be this, this is this is something that people forget i think about the 1980s is that the, the streets were full of shit they're just full of dogs and shit and there were kids wandering around all over the place there were kids everywhere you went there were just kids wandering around the street little kids wandering around the street and um Stepping in dog shit and being attacked by dogs. I, I got bitten by a dog. You know, I, I didn't know a single person who hadn't been bitten by a dog. My brother got bitten by a dog at a pub once. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think I know anyone who's my age who has, unless they've had a dog who's given them a bit of a nip. You don't hear that anymore. Because now it's like, what, the dog bit you, put it down. It's like, whoa, I'm not saying yes or no to that idea necessarily. I don't want to get into a political discussion about putting dogs down. But it is weird that just these little things where people... One of the privileged things of sort of my generation and some of the younger generation as well is like all these rules and regulations, all these things, and everyone's kind of like, you do realise that a lot of the things that are the way they are now is because 
everything back then was very, very yeah. different. You know, it's something small like wearing bike helmets or, you know, cleaning up after your dog. You get like, quite a big fine about that. And I'm sure a lot of people now be like, why did you have to have such a fine? But speaking of you of going back there, you're like, well, there was shit everywhere. Like, what else? <laughs> we had to, had to do something. And there, were, there were just dogs going around biting kids all the time. It just, it just happened all the time. And, um, you know, that just health and safety just wasn't a thing. And then suddenly it became mm. a thing. It suddenly became a thing. Sometime around, must be 1990, 1991, something like that. Because um, my, my brother and sister, I've got, because I'm, I'm not like Frank, the fictional character who's an only child. I've, I'm one of five. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Five, wow. <laughs> Quite so, the um, yeah, I'm, I'm the second oldest. So I've got like a younger brother and sister who are not much younger than me by any means. They're a few years younger than me. But um, by the time they got to be the age that I was when I was wandering around the streets, it had become unthinkable for kids to be wandering around the streets. And all the laws around dogs had changed as well. So people were keeping the dogs uh, sort of away from the streets and people were cleaning up the dogs. And uh, and the other thing is there was there was just broken glass everywhere, broken glass all, all over the place. It was, I don't know where it all came from, but I mean, you know, because also people used to drink in the street. If that was the thing, people just used to drink in the streets. Like, um, you know, and there are places where that still happens. You know, you, you see guys sitting on a park bench with a bottle of wine or whatever, but it's very much frowned upon. And those people are very much frowned upon, you know, whereas you know, going back 30 years, people just used to wander around just drinking a bottle of whiskey, you know what I mean? And then smash it on the floor and they've just broken glass all up as far as the eye could see. In my, in my, <laughs> in my playground as a kid, a school playground, I used to collect bits of broken glass. It was a little hobby of mine. I had a little sweet little paper bag in my pocket. And I, uh, I used to collect all the little bits of broken glass that I found. And all different, because, you know, uh, as a little kid, you like shiny things. And you like things that are bright colours. And there were like bit, bits of a green kind of wine bottle. I'll, I'll have that. Bit, 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 bit of yellow glass. That's not, now and again, you find a bit of blue glass. <laughs> And you'd be like, oh, the blue glass. Wow, look at that. Oh. And I, I put it in my bag. And I had this, this paper bag full of broken glass in my pocket for, for ages and ages. And uh, one day, one of my mates, um, we were just having a bit of a fight in the play. We, we're like, how old was I? About, about six or seven years old. And uh, we were just having a bit of a scuffle in the playground, me and some other kids. And um, one of my friends like found this paper bag in my pocket. And he went, what's this? He pulled it out of my pocket. And um, it's, I, I said, it's a bag of broken glass. And, um, <laughs> and, um, and he went, right. And he just threw it in another child's face. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Boom. Just threw it in his face. <laughs> um. I can just imagine, like, your childhood, like, an over-exaggerated, like, painting of your childhood is just, like, hundreds of children running down the streets away from dogs and tripping over broken glass and falling into dog shit. Just everywhere. And people are like, what do we do? There's just children wandering the streets with herds of dogs after them and oceans of shit. It's, it's what it was like. It's just what it was like. And then, like I say, it suddenly, everything just suddenly stopped being like that. Uh, in the 90s, it, it suddenly stopped. And um, I don't know why. That I, I don't know why it stopped, but it did. 
and um, then things became health and safety recognizably as they are now you know but yeah mm. there you go um, but the, the, there's quite a few things in in the book about kind of uh, you know intergenerational things and like the contrast between um, Frank Jr's generation and Frank Sr's generation um, you know and um, yeah that that's kind of a yeah that, that's kind of an interesting thing that just sort of came out I wasn't really thinking about those particular themes when I was writing it they just sort of came out you know as part of the story and um, it, it's just interesting mm. to kind of uh, dwell on these things uh, in a way yeah just the way that uh, because um, yeah. a, a central part of the book is that Frank Senior and a bunch of his friends have got this secret flat that they are hiding from their wives and partners and they they're renting it that they that they each sharing the rent on it so it's not a lot of money that they're paying into it so they can hide their financial arrangements from from their partners and um but they're not doing anything like sinister there they're they're not like cheating on the wives or anything like that they're just kind of going there to chill out and it's kind of like a, a, a few of them describe it as a place where they can go to be themselves and it's kind of like um, sometimes you get the feeling with like my parents' generation where there was a lot of not being allowed to be yourself. You know, um, everybody sort of had to be the same as each other. And that's the end of part one. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. Part two will be out next week at the usual time. I release weekly on a Sunday. So there you go. And a bit of information of what's coming up. Essentially, I don't have any podcasts sort of recorded in the bank, as it were, because of the whole COVID thing and all this other stuff. I just kind of was trying not to overwork myself and book too many things. So what I'm basically going to try and do over the next few weeks is I'm going to have an episode with Megan, my girlfriend. She's been on a podcast by herself before, and she's been like sort of in the background-ish of a couple other episodes when I've recorded with guests in person. She's been involved. So I'm going to do an episode with her. She's been getting into video games a lot more while in isolation and Animal Crossing is one of them. And so we're going to have a chat about isolation, being a couple in isolation, as well as, you know, video games and that sort of thing. Uh, there's not really a specific plan, but they're kind of the footnotes of what that chat's going to be about. Um, that may be the one released after as in after I release part two of my chat with Frank. I'm not 100% sure yet. Um, I've also got a few more sort of planned, and normally I don't like to say who I've got plans with guests and things, unless they've been guests before, because I don't like to... It's not quite jinx it, but I don't want to say, hey, I'm having so-and-so on, and then then pull out for some reason. But the next... The few guests I'm going to be getting over the coming weeks are more than likely all going to be people that have either been on the show before or are somehow associated with the show, so you don't have to worry too much. So essentially... I'll mention how it all kind of links together. I have a show called Star Wars Comics in Canon. The fourth episode was released yesterday, uh, and that was about the Shattered Empire comic and Operation Cinder, basically what happened three months within the end of the Battle of Endor, the end of episode six of Star Wars. So that got released yesterday, and every week on Saturday on the feed of Comics in Motion, my Star Wars podcast gets released. Uh, the episodes are about 15, 20 minutes long, and it's just me talking about events or characters or something from like a comic book lens. Um, I did a special about it a couple weeks ago on this channel, so everyone should kind of be aware. Now, on the Comics in Motion channel, there is the flagship podcast, which is Comics in Motion. Um, I've had the guys from Comics in Motion, who are Chris and Dave. They've been on the show before. I've been on their show, and we reviewed Dread. They also have a show called F8, the V8 
NHS Strikes Back, and they also have a show called Love Island cast as well. Now, I also did a Star Wars collaboration with the two of them as the run-up to The Rise of Skywalker being released, so it was sort of uh, November, December time. And also a gentleman called Scott Weatherly was involved in that. He hosts the 20th Century Geek podcast, as well as the Stories Out of Time and Space podcast. So I've had podcasts with him and things, and I've been on his show due to the Styles collaboration. So I'm going to potentially be having Scott Weatherly on, as well as Chris from Comics Emotion, because there's a wrestling podcast that Chris has now started as well, and there's a whole big backstory about wrestling and things that I want to go into at another point. But essentially, Scott and Chris are probably going to come on to talk about wrestling, because I've never really been in the world of wrestling. I played the games, uh, WWE, um, SmackDown vs. Raw. I played them a bit, and I've seen bits and pieces, but I don't know that much about it. So I thought I'd have Scott and Chris on to talk about their little feud uh, that's going on in the wrestling world, as well as the wrestling podcasts and things. I'm going to have Tony Farina on the show again. I popped on his show, the Indie Comics Spotlight, which is on the Comics Emotion feed, as well as Max Byrne, who's got his Mandatory Marvel and DC podcast. So, Star Wars Comics and Canon, Mandatory Marvel and DC, and Tony Farina's Indie Comics Spotlight, they are all on the same podcast feed of Comics in Motion. So we all know each other. And then Scott is a friend of ours as well, who's collaborated with us quite a few times. So those are the groups of people I'm probably going to have on the podcast. As I said, um, so it's going to be Tony Farina is going to come on and speak with myself and Megan about education because Megan's a teacher and he does online education and things. So that's going to be a bit of a conversation. I'm going to have Scott and Chris on to talk about wrestling. I'm then going to have Max from Mandatory Marvel and DC, as well as Dave from Comics in Motion to speak about comics because obviously... I'm a lot into Star Wars comics, but I haven't really delved into the the remainder of the comics, you know, of DC, Marvel, Dark Horse, Ahoy, all these other sort of creators. I know that the Star Wars comics are actually made by Marvel with a few uh, Dark Horse ones, but mainly Marvel. So I'm going to have them on to talk about those sort of comics as well. And then I'm probably going to have Chris and Dave on again to then talk about the sort of comics in motion creators network or whatever it's going to be called to give a bit more insight into the shows that are on their feed essentially and what it's all about so that's kind of what i've got planned over the next few weeks it's you know i'm trying not to just be only talking about the covid and coronavirus and that sort of thing i don't want to just always be talking about that because people generally listen to podcasts to escape that sort of reality so i'm gonna have one with megan one with tony and megan and then a few of the guys from comics emotion and 20th century geek and things so if you really want to get into those i'd say if you listen back to my star wars uh journey to rise of skywalker one of those episodes i did before december or in december is before uh, it was released and that will give you sort of the the entrance into who chris dave and scott are and then you can look into my other back catalogue and see all the other things of, you know, who what I did with Tony Farina and when Chris and Dave came on my show and all that sort of jazz. If you follow Comics in Motion P, P for podcast, at Comics in Motion P on Twitter, then it should give you all the insight. They're very active on Twitter. They're sharing all the shows and things. So that kind of makes it a bit better rather than this big rambly mess at the end of this podcast that I kind of started and I'm not going to edit now. <laughs> so gutted. Sorry, guys. So yeah, that's basically what's coming up over the coming weeks. I'm planning on having other people who've been on the show before on. Uh, I'm probably going to hit up Janine Mercer, ask if she wants to be on, because we had a great chat last time. And she has an amazing podcast called The Odd Entity Podcast, which I highly recommend you guys go and check out if you're into the weird and the wonderful. Uh, and then I'm probably going to get other podcast guests and things on that are from either other podcasts or people I've already had on the show. As I said, I don't... I'm not closing the door to new people um, who've been on the show or anything like that. It's more so just, it's a lot easier to organize these things, especially where the way everything is at the moment. 
Um, so it's just kind of, I want more of the podcasts to be a lot more fun and less work for me. It sounds weird, but when I speak to a guest who I'm not necessarily familiar with, it takes quite a lot. I have to do a lot of research. I have to have a lot of uh, sort of notes written down and I have to really monitor how the conversation is going to ensure that the flow is going at a decent pace for you listeners, while also ensuring that the guest themselves is feeling comfortable and isn't feeling pushed and I'm not interrupting them all the time or anything like that. When I speak with someone who I've had on the show multiple times or I'm a lot more comfortable with, the flow of conversation is more organic because I don't have to worry about the conversation if the other person becomes uncomfortable or if we run out of things to talk about or anything like that so while i'm in isolation and while you know i'm working from home my normal job and i've got two podcasts going on and i'm trying to stay sane while everything else i'm trying more so to focus on podcasts that are just going to be a bit more of a laugh than things that are too serious um just because that's what i kind of want at the moment and this show i absolutely love it it's my passion project and in all blunt honesty i kind of just do with this show what i want to do with it so in almost selfishness i want to have conversations that are much more on the fun side and much more on the comfortable side than the really serious ones because there's there's countless podcasts at the moment that are talking about the coronavirus that are having really serious conversations about it and in, I just don't really want to have those conversations. I normally like having those sort of things, but I've spoken about COVID and things so many times at nauseum outside of the podcasting realm. I'm a little bit sick of it. That said, it is going to come up, as I say, when I speak with Megan about it. We are going to eventually talk about it. I just don't want it to be the main thing that everyone talks about in every show because it just becomes tiresome. So... I just want to clarify that to you guys. Uh, I know I said that in a big rambly way, but any of you regular listeners know that I try and be honest and open as much as I can. And the end of the podcast is always when I kind of ramble on about other things. So that's kind of where I'm at. But that'll be it from me then, guys. So as I say, I really, really appreciate all you guys listening, especially in isolation and all this other craziness that's going on. I really appreciate anyone sharing the show and talking about it with their friends, you know, word of mouth, that sort of thing you know if there's anything about the show that you are not liking as much or if there's any issues if you think at the end of these shows i go on for way too much waffle and i should maybe release a separate podcast for the waffle once a week as an update or i don't know something like that then let me know and we'll kind of see where that kind of goes I should have really said this more towards the start, so maybe I'll say it in the next podcast. I have also appeared on an episode of Room podcast, and Room is made by a guy called Aidan Roswell. I had him on an episode a few weeks ago. I think it was sort of towards the end of... It was either the start of this year or the end of last year. But his podcast is Days of My Life, and the other podcast is Room. Room is an audio drama. It's like a fictional interview sort of show. It's really, really, really cool. Um, but I was on an episode of that. I think I was on the first episode of Series 2. So, you know, check that out. Give Aidan Roswell some love, because he is a really, really cool guy. And, yeah, I think that's really it, guys. I'll include a description in the sort of... I'll include links in the description and all that sort of jazz as well. So, yeah. I really hope everyone's doing well and everyone's staying safe in the whole COVID stuff. And as I say, contact me, social media, email, anything like that for any things that you are unhappy with or really happy with. And, you know, I'll go from there. I'll take any listener feedback into consideration. I won't necessarily do that specifically. I won't do exactly what people want me to do, but I will take it into consideration. And yeah, just to confirm, the episode of Room podcast is called All Roads Lead to Room. It was released on the 8th of April, and it's like less than 20 minutes long, and I play one of the many voice actors in it. So go check that out, guys. Really, really appreciate it. That's enough from me, and yeah, I'll talk to you next week.